This podcast is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a Fifth Third better. Visit 53.com for more information. I'm Nolan Alexander, and today we speak with Kennesaw State goalkeeper Tiffany Sornbau, who played for the Thailand national team at last summer's World Cup. We speak to her about her World Cup and international experiences, how she's already used to distant learning on her computer, as well as her experiences with the Thailand team, how she's already brought it back to Kennesaw State last season, and then her training this spring, and how she looks forward to picking up where she left off come this fall. Of note in the spring, where was her first tournament supposed to be located? In Wuhan, China. Thankfully, that didn't happen. We speak to her about that experience and what the next course of action was. So let's get to it as we go inside the nest with Tiffany Sornpound. for joining us on Inside the Nest. We're excited to revisit your World Cup story and catch up on some other happenings in your life as well. But to begin with, where are you joining us from today? Um, I'm back home at Duluth. And you're there with your family, everyone checking out all right? Yes. So I start out asking everyone that's on Inside the Nest, where were they? When was it that this coronavirus became real and you realized, okay, something's going to be different here in life. I'm not exactly sure what. And I think your answer is going to be a bit different than other guests. When was that moment for you? Um, yeah, so I was in Thailand when all the news started coming out about what was going on in China. Um, so we were originally supposed to go to Wuhan, China for the tournament of the Olympic qualifiers and actually because of that we were like watching the news kind of closely and every day it kind of got worse and worse so all the girls and I were just like hesitant on wanting to go and stuff like that until like three days before we were supposed to go travel is when like all the real facts and stuff came out and we were like oh (laughs) we are no (laughs) we're not we're not doing this um we and that's when the FIFA and all of them started to try to organize a new location and ended up going to Sydney, Australia instead. But yeah, I would say even though I was in Thailand, we were very close kind of in, into like the start of it all. And when was this in the calendar? End of January, I want to say. Hmm. So were any members of your team ever tested for this as another precaution even though y'all didn't make it over to Wuhan uh no we didn't but we did get they did provide us with some kind of shot kind of like a flu shot kind of thing before we went over Hmm. um but we did get news that the Chinese team was quarantined for 14 days in Australia before the tournament even started and therefore oh our tournament had to be pushed back about like two days or so because the time that they were released like we were supposed to play them like the next day and they were like can we at least get a day of practice to get ready so yeah they've been training and like working out inside the hotel the whole time which I thought was really crazy also 
Yeah, there's only so much you can do in a conference room for playing soccer, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's easier for goalies. You don't have to travel as far. You can kind of make your own net back there, but trying to be a midfielder or something like that, uh, yeah, you don't get the full pitch out there, I guess. For sure. What do you think was the weirdest part about all of that? Um... Trying to go from, your, all right, we're going to go to Wuhan, we're going to play this team, well, we're going to be ready to go here in about three or four days to, well, now we're going to Australia, and we're going to have an extra two weeks to train. I think the, obviously I thought it was very cool and awesome how fast they were able to change the location of it. Um, I thought that was pretty ridiculous for such a big event that they were able to do that. Um, so... It was kind of like, it was kind of exciting because obviously I haven't been to China, but I also haven't been to city Australia either. So I thought that was kind of like the cool part out of it. Um, but probably like the more crazy part is just kind of like waking up every day and kind of like going to practice and everyone was like, it's getting worse. Like, like everybody was kind of like on their phone a lot and not just like, you know, social media checking. It's like updating the news and like, every day they would just send something new, and I would send it to my parents, like, like help me, like, what is accurate and what should we do, like, all this stuff, so. Hmm. What did your parents say? How did they feel when, I guess, some of the news of the coronavirus came out and you were scheduled to go to Wuhan? Well, they, my parents actually came to Thailand also, um, so they were there. A little later when I went to go train and they were originally going to come to China to come watch um, and then so they were kind of like close and nearby and were able to check the news and all that stuff and kind of like help relay it to me hmm. so that was like another good part how important are your parents in not only your soccer career but your life as well they seem to be pretty supportive obviously oh yes they're like they're definitely my number one fans um obviously it's crazy because they always tell me to take these opportunities but i think they also enjoy me taking these opportunities so they get to travel as well um because for the China and all that stuff, and then going to the Olympics in Japan, my mom was like, I've never been to Japan. Like, I've never been to China. <laughs> well, all right, just come on over. So did your schedule in Sydney allow for any sightseeing with your parents? Um, because they changed to Sydney, my parents actually didn't come mm. because it was such a long haul. Um, so I actually didn't get to meet up with them eventually because of the change, but because we were in Sydney, like the city, it was a lot easier just kind of like walk around and just check out the places. Nothing really like nature and stuff like that, just kind of in, in the city. So once you're over in Australia and the qualifying began, was it affected at all by the spread of the coronavirus? Did that cut anything short or limit your ability to go out and see things later on? Or were you all, I guess, for lack of a better term, ahead of the curve then? Uh, they were, we were kind of ahead of it. Um, probably just like one step, but due to China being quarantined, we had to delay the tournament by like a day or two. Um, the only other thing was they 
didn't sell tickets to people for like the first two games so we had basically empty stadiums to start off with um until later on like playing australia and then like we were able to get some fans but also because such of the quick turnover there was also not a lot of fans that's very interesting because when this started over in the U.S., as I'm sure you're aware when you were back, there was the first talk of, okay, where they're going to play in empty arenas, there's going to be no fans for March Madness. And then obviously everything escalated. So since you got to participate in a game in an empty stadium, what was that like as an athlete? Um, it's... it's it's interesting because it, it kind of feels like a scrimmage, um, but they still had they still had the camera crew and all of them there, so you kind of had to remember that you were still going to be on TV and people could still watch. But it definitely did feel you don't feel the impact of it being like such a big game or like a qualifier, mm-hmm. but you just kind of have to remember like what kind of game it is. It's very interesting. So if the camera crews weren't there, you think it might have affected the team's performance or the game in general? Um, I'm not completely sure. I don't think so. But I think, obviously, the tie. I personally think the Thai community and their support for the team in general is a, a big impact. Um, to me, I know. Like, I just enjoy... They just have so much passion, even though sometimes if the scores aren't going well, they they like keep the same energy. So I think just like missing them would like bring a little downer on you, but obviously you don't want that to impact your game. Hmm. Can you give us an example of how you felt the passion from the Thai fan base, whether it's uh, been after a match, during a match, or at any point, maybe around a training session or you encountered someone on the street? Yeah. Um... So the clearest memory that I have in my head was, I believe, obviously in the World Cup, we played the U.S. and didn't have a very good outcome. Um, I believe it was either the Sweden or the Chile game. We were on our bus and, like, pulling in to on game day to get ready and everything, which is, like, an hour and a half or so before. And as we're, like, pulling up, there's, like, a fence and it's just maybe like 15, 20 Thai fans kind of just like, they love the drum. So they have like a drum and like the big flag and everything. And it was just like, they were just dancing and like yelling and just cheering and kind of like, even when the bus wasn't there, I believe that they were just like all hanging out, like having a good time. And when the bus came, like, you know, kind of like when they kind of like flock to the fence and everything and, I just thought, like, in that moment, like, like how real and how impactful, like, actually being on this national team is. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was, like, like, obviously, like, you don't feel good after a loss, but then seeing that, I think it, like, re-channels your energy to, like, not just play for your own pride, but to play for people like them. This podcast is brought to you by The Indy, Kennesaw's newest student house community. The Indy is now accepting applications for the fall of 2020. Visit www.livetheindy.com for more information. 
see what elevated student housing looks like. As a reminder, this podcast is available just about everywhere in addition to ksuals.com slash podcast. So whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcasts, we've made it available. Visit ksuals.com slash podcast and you'll see a respective link. So you can subscribe. Please rate the podcast so we can continue telling the stories of our Kennesaw State Owls to the entire 1KS and community as a whole. So let's get back to Tiffany's story here on Inside the Nest. That's incredible. So walk us back. How do you end up from being a keeper, a four-year varsity member at Duluth High School, being on Kennesaw State's soccer squad starting since your redshirt freshman year to earning a spot on the Thailand national team? What was the relationship and how did that begin? So it's actually a pretty interesting story. Um, my dad was actually the one that got me this opportunity to start off with a year ago. And what he did, they went to Thailand last year also. So they were there before I had to come over to do the tryouts. And he was talking about how he had sent in footage to them and just kind of like my highlights and all the stuff and stats from my previous seasons and was just like kind of taking a chance to see if they would respond or not. And so they actually did. And they were like, if you can get her over here for a tryout, then we'll take a look at her. Um, and I thought it was really funny because this whole time, like my dad was like telling me to go do all these things like submit forms and get my citizenship and all this stuff. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Like eventually, like I'll do it tomorrow or like I'll do it the next day. And cause I didn't know how real this was. And he was like, no, like you need to get it done now. Like blah, blah. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, they want you to come over. And I was like, I don't even know what you did. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I like sent your footage and all this. I was like, since when? And then, so that kind of like took a twist in a week. And I was like running around with my head cut off, like trying to get everything done. And then probably like two weeks later, my parents booked me a flight to go to Thailand and try out for them. So... That was kind of the start of it. That is such a whirlwind. Two weeks later, you're going across the world and you've got to try out. Did it feel like that was actually happening? When did, when did that set in? Um, probably like once I got on the plane. <laughs> um, because I, I really was really confused. I really didn't know that he did all this or like that they would respond um on the other end um so when they did i was like oh okay and then my dad was like you're coming like let's go like blah blah and i was like okay i'll be there and then like so you know the next day i'm like training with them and like just it's like i went from one field to another and it kind of like doesn't look different but then you like look around and you're like well now i'm in thailand playing soccer so this is when the whole parents hey let's go over to thailand let's travel around the world started with you uh yeah <laughs> they're well, like oh you're going there yeah we're definitely gonna go there well obviously it's led to 
memories that will last you a lifetime. And as we start to look back on when you made it over to Thailand, what did that look like for your classes at KSU? How did that transition go from I'm going to be away and hopefully I'm going to be away for a little bit longer? How were you supported in that process? Um, actually, the professors were very supportive. Um, they kind of like, they realized what I was going for and pretty easygoing. Um, so I kind of just like warned them ahead of time and just kind of like gave them the upfront and what I would be missing. And obviously it took a lot of my end to make sure that I didn't just pop up in and out with them. Mm -hmm. But I think last year, the good part was I was gone for little increments. So for the first time I was gone for at most two weeks, but this time this year in January, I was gone for over a month. Hmm. So it was definitely doable last year with having in classes. So as you spoke earlier about the main difference being the time change, was it ever difficult at times to balance in your schedule of training and then something that may have been time specific like a, a test or a project, etc.? Yeah, for sure. Um, Thailand is actually 12 hours ahead, and Australia was 15 hours. So a few, a lot of things I just had to do ahead of time, um, just get it done beforehand. But, I mean, I've had a test or quiz or so that would kind of be due in, like, the middle of the night where I was. And I was like, um, I'm not going to wake up at 4 a.m., <laughs> this so do you mind just like push it a little and that's all it took hmm. so last year when you went over there you obviously had a successful tryout what was the next step from when you had that first tryout to making the world cup roster what happened in between uh from there i went to a tournament in cyprus which is kind of like it's kind of like a she believes cup but for kind of like Thailand and those countries over there. So I went with them and that was where they wanted to see me kind of in-game action. And that was when I, when I was able to play my first game against Italy. And yeah, so from there it was kind of like tryouts, tryout in game, and then woke up. Were you nervous in that match against Italy? Uh, actually, I wasn't. Um, Not surprising at all. <laughs> obviously, Italy is a... They're probably one of the best ones. I think they actually won the whole Cyprus Cup. Um, but my my favorite moments is playing hard teams because, for me, it gives me more action. And I knew, in reality, in, in this tournament, my goal wasn't really to... Obviously, yes, you want to shut out, but I needed to show the Thai team, like, saves. So obviously if I was in a game that doesn't really give me any saves, then I'm not able to show much. But I think if I was scored on, but then able to make three or four saves in that process, they're able to see and judge a lot better. Hmm. What was the culture of that team like? How would you describe it, and what parts of it are similar to your squad at KSU? They're, they're very sweet. I think one of the biggest things is they were so welcoming when I came in, especially 
other keepers, I think it's such a hard position that a lot of times you expect them to kind of like be uptight and worried about them losing their spot. But I think they welcomed me so easily into the team, not just the keepers, but the coaches and everybody, the managers and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, and just their enthusiasm of playing and everything, it, it's contagious. It like rubs off on you. And you had a fellow American, uh, former Cal Berkeley star Miranda Nild on the roster as well. What was y'all's relationship like? Were y'all close? Uh, yeah, we were, we were basically like tied at the hip. Um, I think the, because the biggest issue is I don't know how to speak Thai. Uh, so she can speak Thai and English, which is a plus in every way. And then also kind of needed her help to help translate things for me every now and then, but because we were the two Americans, we were roomed together kind of everywhere and all this stuff, and she was kind of like my go-to for almost everything, but other than that, like, I think our personalities matched very easily, so, like, it was very easy for us to get it, get along. So, best friend slash translator for you uh, on that entire stay? <laughs> yeah. How much Thai have you retained? Can, can you give us an example of a sentence? Uh, a sentence? A phrase, something that, okay, I don't need Miranda to help me out. I can get this myself. Um, the biggest words that I actually learned is kind of like the on-field words. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't very easy for me to learn the sentences and like communicating, mm -hmm. but on-field it was a lot of they're a lot simpler with like one word statements that you're able to say. So, um, and it's actually a lot kind of similar to English. They just don't use like hard T's or C's. So like, if you want to say drop, you just say dot, you kind of like drop the R. Um, and then let's see, you have shift, which is shift, but you just take the T out. So honestly, like on the field communication. Yeah, don't take the F out and leave the I T. Know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the on-field stuff was a lot easier for me to pick up, but I think speaking their language is actually really hard because they have the same word, but if you say it in a different pitch, it all means different things. Huh. Yeah. Have you spoke with Coach Walton about creating our own code language for next year? And we can speak in Thai, and so the other teams don't know what we're doing even more so? <laughs> yeah, that's what I practice with my defense all the time. Really? No. <laughs> I, I was just putting it out there. Hey, hey, it may help us next year. Um, I know, I'm, I'm full of like one good idea a month, so I've already <laughs> checked that off. So let's go back to the World Cup and the first stage is taking on the United States women's national team what an incredible moment for someone that grew up here in the US and to play on that stage and, and correct me if I'm wrong you just turned 21 like a month or so before right yeah I did so you're very young and you are on the world's biggest stage taking on your home country what was that experience like it was crazy. Uh, 
I don't really know how else to put it. Uh, I think it was on game day when you walk out, even when you're not starting, you still have to like go through that tunnel, kind of like come out before the game starts. You just come out and it's a, like it's a sold out game, so every seat is filled. Um, and I had my parents on the right of me next next to the bench, and just during the game, the cheering never stopped. If anything, it just got louder, uh, and it was just crazy to watch a game from the actual sideline. We'd like to take this time to thank our proud partner, Coca-Cola, for being the beverage choice of KSU Athletics events. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. We'd also like to take a moment to thank our healthcare provider, Wellstar Health Systems. At Wellstar, their mission is to enhance the health and well-being of every person they serve. Their vision is to deliver world-class healthcare to every person, every time. I hope you're enjoying Tiffany's story here on Inside the Nest. If you haven't already, subscribe and rate this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Let's wrap it up with some more great stories here from Tiffany Sornbaum. Growing up, was there any members of the current women's roster that you had idolized? Um, I was more of like the cliche. Obviously, Hope Solo was a big one that I would keep an eye on. And she was actually there at that game. Um, I don't remember if she was announcing, but she came up on the screen once or twice. Yeah, I just think having all those people within the same venue and stadium kind of like, they could have accidentally looked at me and be like, she's on the bench. Do you have to pinch yourself at all at times? Pinching, no, but I think like I kind of zoned out every now and then. I, I, I remember, I know I eventually caught myself just kind of like watching the crowd a little bit longer than like looking at the game sometimes and just you know like when when the sounds of the fans just kind of like go down and you just kind of like in this little tunnel of I don't know like like a phase of just watching all these people cheering for both of your country and the other country hmm what about the speed of the game watching on the pitch that day. Is there anything you could compare it to? Um, I mean, I think personally, like, uh, when I went to a trial for the Thai team, that was like the one thing I noticed, the, the speed of play and like the power of their shots, which is, it was, it was, a little more intense than, than college ball. So I definitely think for them and probably playing against the U.S., it was even faster and obviously they're probably very clean with it. So I just think watching it, it was it was kind of trying not to be amazed because I was like, you're also on the team, so you kind of can't, you know, daydream about it too much because you might have to go in. Yeah, I definitely think... It was very impressive to watch, especially with the U.S. 
So that result from the U.S. game was controversial, a 13-0 score. A lot of people thought, oh, the U.S. is running it up, and they're celebrating after every goal. And there's also some remarks online that uh, coming out of Thailand that they appreciated that, that they didn't take anything for granted, and that each goal was important. What were your feelings on the result of the game? Uh, well, I think... Probably the same. I, I didn't have a problem with them scoring that many goals. Obviously, I think celebrating all of them was a big factor, too, showing that they appreciated all of it. They, like, you know, put in the work to get that goal. Like, it wasn't just one, two, and then just pass it in the net. Or, you know, those people who kind of, like, get the ball, dribble at the keeper of the defense, and then it's like a clear shot but instead they kind of like pass it back and like keep playing it around you know kind of like cat and mouse type thing mm-hmm. um so i think there was no problem with the goals with the celebration obviously on their end you need goals it's a tournament you don't know if there's goal differential stuff like that um just because you want to hold back and be nice could cause you a certain placing in the playoffs um so i think obviously it was a clear representation of how ready the u.s was and kind of also showed how the Thai team wasn't as ready either and if you branch out amongst American sports, it happens a lot of times where a team gets ahead and then the subs come in and you pull someone out. It's okay. We're just going to try to wind the clock down here. But obviously in that match, that didn't happen. Is uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the starting keeper stayed in the entire game. It means something different there. It's a point of pride. Is that correct? Um, I, don't, I don't really know on... The keepers end. I obviously, if I was a keeper, I wouldn't want to be in that long. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you like, I remember playing against like FGCU. I got scored on 3-0 in the first half, and I was pulled by Benji. And like, even though it's kind of embarrassing to get pulled off, like I knew I wasn't like I was exhausted. I wasn't in the right mindset, kind of, and I was kind of happy he took me off and he put in put in Maddie and she like shut out the second half so even though we lost we only lost 3-0 and I thought it was a very good coach call and I think in a situation like this a keeper can only do so much so and it does get tiring um, so I think it wasn't really a pride thing as it was of a coaching error gotcha so speaking of fgc that's a nice transition into obviously one of the best moments in ksu athletics this past year not just women's soccer with a semi-final win and for those that are uh tuning in that aren't familiar with it ksu was down two nil at half came back tied the game won in pk's Tiffany here was a brick wall with a couple of stops against the player of the year and defensive player of the year in the A-Sun. Do you think your experiences with the Thailand national team made you just even a little bit more prepared and a little bit more confident 
in that PK moment, not saying that you weren't confident before that, but did your experiences help you out in that game? Yes, for sure, 100%. Um, I definitely think the biggest thing that I got off the World Cup was like I've played against some of the best players in the world, and so coming back to college, I think it helped ease my mind when playing like top teams and stuff like that. Um, so I definitely think FGCU, I remember when I was a freshman or sophomore, like I definitely put them on a high pedestal thinking that they were obviously one of the greatest in the conference, but obviously as I got older and the more experienced and all this stuff, I just thought player of the year, defensive player of the year, it didn't mean anything. After the bitter finale to the end of the season, the championship match up at Lipscomb, did that get you more motivated to get back out on the pitch when you came back and for the World Cup qualifiers with Thailand? Yes. Um, obviously, I think a lot of times when obviously when you lose, you kind of want to you can take it in two ways. You can like dwell on it or kind of just like learn from it. I want to take it as a lesson towards the end of it and obviously build on it. I think it was a great season and just maybe sometimes in training you just didn't do that one extra thing or you didn't focus on it a little right and it kind of plays into the game. So I think it helps humble but keeps you fighting. So this past spring training with the team and going through those matches, couple of questions one what do you think you showed the Thailand national team and two what's maybe one part of your keeper game that you feel like you improved and you're ready to build upon that come this fall I think a big thing that I was able to bring from the states to the Thai team was showing them how explosive I am off my line um, I'm actually really big on like breakaways and stuff like that, and I think they're kind of more like held defensively. So I think that kind of definitely helped them in some situations. I definitely saw it a lot when I played at Australia. Um, their go-to was kind of like through balls, in behind type thing. So I was able to come out and do what I know how to do, and kind of like show them that side of me. Um, I think. This spring, the tie, the tie training, I think, showed me a lot of extra information. Um, obviously, being a goalie, you can train in so many different ways, and there's not a right way or one way to train or one position or, like, correct way to do things. So my favorite part is just how many different views I'm getting from like the Thai team from college level from different coaches and I think just being able to see their way of training allows me to find the most comfortable and most ideal way that I can be a better keeper very interesting good point so with all of that and your experiences what do you think is in store for Kennesaw State soccer here in the fall. Is this going to be a team that 
you think, with a lot of veteran presence coming back, and you know, obviously there were some young stars last year like Becky Contreras that's going to pick up right where it left off. Is that kind of the feeling amongst the team and in your thoughts too? Yeah, I do. Um, obviously, we lost a big part of our team with the seniors, but I think what we have coming still, we are, like you said, like a veteran team. This is the biggest class that we've had. Um, and we're supposed to be getting some very good freshmen as well, and hopefully on the same level as the impact that Becky had. And I think we're also getting all the girls who were injured, who are one of our top players as well. If they're healthy by then, I think we could be right back in the place that we were last year, but hopefully winning it. Exactly. What's the communication looked like amongst the team during this period right now? Uh, it's a little hard, obviously. We we try a lot to keep active and keep sending things like workouts and soccer and just kind of like what we're doing throughout the day. Um, but obviously it's hard because not many people are doing very much, so there's not much you can say. Um, but we check in with each other every now and then. And I know it's a lot more difficult when you're not in person to record the soccer's popular dance videos, right? <laughs> yes, it's a big downer. So what's happened? Has the team resulted to uh, single videos on TikTok? We do have numerous TikTok accounts. I will put that out there. <laughs> um, are, are you are you a, a dancer in the videos? Who, who's taking the lead with this? Uh, I definitely love doing some of the dances. Uh, I think our biggest TikTok would, or our famous TikToker, I would say, would be Cameron Downs. If you need some good content, that's someone I would look for. You said famous. What kind of famous are we talking about? Famous on the team, like the one that does the most, like TikTok dances in the locker room, on the field, in the commons, in the snaps, in group me. Well, there we go. Now we know where to look to get some content. <laughs> Tiffany, as we close out this episode of Inside the Nest, I want to give the floor to you. Is there anything that whoever's listening to this podcast should know about you your experience with the World Cup and the Thailand national team or the Kennesaw State women's soccer squad that hasn't been told, whether it's here in this podcast or another interview that you've done, I'm going to open up the floor and let you take it. Yeah, I think the one message for those who don't really know me or don't really know Kennesaw and just like the soccer aspect is that, as you can tell like from my story, it was... Obviously, I've worked hard all my life and playing my position and everything, but it's that one chance that my dad kind of, like, took on me um, to just throw something out there and kind of shoot for the stars. You know, you have that hope, but you kind of just take the risk. You're like, if I get a no, then, like, life goes on. But if I get a yes, then, like, my world could change, and it did. So I would say whether it's the World Cup or a national team or just a college team or whatever, and you don't completely think that you're capable of it, just you have nothing to lose when you reach out to someone. Um, the worst anyone could ever say is no, and that just hopefully when you get something 
like that answer, it drives you more than puts you down. So I would just say for those, if any young ones are upcoming freshmen and stuff like that, if you don't think you're capable of something that that's sorry, that's that's BS. <laughs> so just kind of like live it to the fullest and take your chances because you just never you never know what people are looking for. That's awesome. Do you want to be a coach one day? I've thought of it. It's never really been my first um, idea because I'm more of a fan of being coached than coaching, but I I feel like I could probably do it. I think you could. After your uh, decades-long stint playing professional soccer as a keeper, I think they might transition you. Hey, you might even be a player coach too. That could work, right? Yeah, that, that would be better. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. We certainly appreciate your availability to help tell your story, and we wish you and your family the best over this period. Hopefully it doesn't last too long, and we really look forward to seeing you and the Owls out on the pitch this fall. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me, Nolan. So great words by Tiffany Sornpow to leave us with on this episode of Inside the Nest. We'd like to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a fifth third better. Visit 53.com for more information. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, rate it on your favorite podcast app. It's available just about everywhere, as well as ksuals.com slash podcasts. I'm Nolan Alexander. It's been a lot of fun. Make sure to join us next week. We'll have a new edition of Inside the Nest, and we're going to branch out even further as well. If you have an idea for an Inside the Nest, please send me an email in alexa29 at kennesaw.edu or tweet me at Nolan R. Alexander. This has been Inside the Nest. 